This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Owen Tinder Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Common Had a Dream podcast. I'm here as ever with Ruth. Hello. Um, we have got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Cardiff City getting relegated, Newport in the playoffs, what happened to Wrexham. We've got a Mirtha season review. We're going to talk about um, the, obviously the Champions League games that have happened this week, which have been uh, absolutely unbelievable. Um, we're going to talk about Jess Fishlock. We are going to literally talk about everything. Um, so uh, let's get cracking. Uh, we'll start with Cardiff City. Okay. Obviously, unfortunately, relegated after their uh, previous game against Crystal Palace, lost 3-2. Um, the last two games, really, I think have sort of summed up Cardiff City season. The Palace game, they attacked pretty well, I thought, and had enough chances, just didn't convert them, but then defended like 11-year-olds. And whilst it's not exactly the same with the Fulham game, that sort of thing where they sat deep, didn't really show enough intent, and then when they did get going... it was far too late. Fulham had scored, they'd had a bad moment and obviously, you know, Babel scores a worldie, but just, I thought it was just a last, a weird last two games when you consider what's at stake. Yeah, the season sort of fizzled out really, yeah. didn't it? It went from feeling like, okay, this is a big task, but it's doable to just kind of vaporising into the ether without a fight and without really feeling that they'd, they'd gone into it with, yeah. with an intent of trying to get those results, difficult as they were. Um, I think I think you're right. I think it kind of stems from the fact that they never really kind of found a footing or found a style that worked for them. And yeah. so when their backs were really against the wall, they were still at a point where they were looking around for what do we do? Yeah. Um, hopefully, being back in the championship, you know, they'll be able to play a little bit more. Um, predictably is the wrong word, but have a methodology have a plan, that works yeah. for, works for them, plan for them, yeah. Um, and I just feel like the whole year they were searching for who they were and they found it in odd games. Um, and particularly at the start of the season, it just felt like they were at a point where they were kind of pleased to be there, but had forgotten what had got them there. Yeah. And then points in the year they found that, but most of the time you felt like they were still searching yeah. for it. And it's difficult, you know, after the start they had, I think, like you say, I think they, they, I don't think they won a game for the first 10 or something crazy like that. So when you have a start of that, you know, it puts such a damper on everything. It must be so hard to get yourselves going again. Um, the big thing that I do think is worth pointing out is that I don't think they were actually in with much of a chance of staying up all season, the only thing that kept them in that much of a chance really was how bad everyone else mm-hmm. was around them. It, they kind of, at no point through the year did I ever think, right, they'd starting to kind of get themselves out of a hole. There were a couple of games where they won, I think they won one uh, back-to-back set of games and then that was it and mm-hmm. they would kind of peter out again and you look at Brighton have had such a poor end of the season. That's really the only reason that they kind of kept in the fight as long as they did because I think they won nine of their last... 11 games mm-hmm. other way around they lost 9 yeah. and if they'd won 9 and lost 11 then it'd be fine um, what do you think about Warnock do you think he'll stay or should he stay um, I, I think he probably will because what's coming in the next 12 months suits him you know maybe he can yo-yo, yo-yo them back up yeah. although the championship is pretty strong I was watching that Leeds Derby game yeah, today too, yeah. some nice football played um, and 
the so he you know he he suits that and by keeping the team together ostensibly they have a good squad a good championship level squad yeah. don't they um and people aren't going to be picking too many of those players no, off are they no, to be honest not many just given the way they performed this year and or, or a combination of that or their age yeah it's not really going no. to have a big... so they should have a relatively speaking a settled squad yeah. going back into the championship so hopefully they can you know regroup and and push forward again um and as swansea have shown there's it's not a bad thing to be a competitive championship yeah, level to have a team. year of it yeah. yeah i'm not sure that it's worthwhile because i think he'll get you up but then i don't think he's kept anyone up in the premier league at no least. he hasn't so to me i'm not sure that it might be worth kind of having a gamble almost and going a different way just purely because yes it'd be great to get up and you get the money and everything that goes with it but then within 12 months there's a strong chance you're going to be back where you are and it might be good for them to kind of have someone who's going to try and play with a, with a, an identity that they can take forward into the Premier League if they get promoted again and I know it's quite fanciful and it's you know ambitious thing to say but equally when you look at you know what's around them it's, it's a very ambitious challenging league you know you look at the game like you said the game today Norwich and Sheffield United have gone up and whoever doesn't go up you'd still look at you know one of Villa Leeds West Brom and Derby as teams who are going to challenge you know Middlesbrough have got Tony Pulis as the manager you know there's a lot of challenging Premier League quality teams up there mm-hmm. so for me I'm not sure I, it might be worth having a look at a different direction kind of kind of starting to build a bit of a longer term plan so you can actually say right okay this time we're going to go up we're going to be hard to beat and we're going to transfer that tactic into the Premier League by doing this 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 or getting that player and that player Whereas at the minute, this season, I felt like they've just got up and just thought, oh, Christ, what are we going to do now yeah. here? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the feeling. Um, perhaps it's a middle ground between the two. Perhaps it's Warnock with a an apprentice, mm. as it were, through the year. Because he's sorted that he might want to go more sort of into upstairs. the back upstairs. Yeah. yeah. So maybe there's something where someone can pull on his undoubted promotion experience learn from that but also as you say be molding the team in a slightly different direction yeah. yeah well it's interesting and good luck to Cardiff next year I think they've got I do think like you say they've got a great championship squad for that and um and I'm sure they'll keep most of the team together so I do think they've got a really really good chance next year um looking at Newport we watched the game on Thursday I think mm-hmm. it was um First of all, great achievement for them to get in the playoffs. Yeah. I think they've, they're have they unbeaten in their last 10 games. Yeah, they have pulled it around, haven't they? When you consider where they were, particularly in the winter months, you know, they dropped down to, I don't know. 15th at one point, right, I think okay. it was. Um, and then to claw it back uh, and to just keep pressing and keep going. Um, I mean, that's encouraging. The um, I think the game itself was quite disappointing on Thursday because yeah. they didn't play the way we've watched them play previously. It would be interesting to see what some of the more regular watchers of Newport yeah. think of that. Um, but it was actually quite a frustrating game, wasn't yeah. it? Because there was lots of just hoofing it forward when, when actually they can play the football. Yeah, they really can. Yeah, I mean, the goal that there's one goal they scored, I think it was in the Carabao Cup, which was voted Newport like the, their goal of the season sort of thing. I think every player on the field touched it pretty much and it was a great goal and I felt like they're just they're better than just lumping it forward but you know I think 
earlier in the year, they would have gone 1-0 down and it would have been a bit of panic. Mm-hmm. But in the end, they kept plug, plugging away. They completely dominated the second half. Um, and by hook or by crook, got the reward mm-hmm. they deserved. And I feel like that's sort of a direct consequence of the way they've played in the last 10 games. You think about games like even that Morecambe one on the last day of the season... They kept plugging away, kept mm-hmm. plugging away, like 87th minute goal or something like that to get them into the playoffs in the end. It kind of, it works for them. Yeah. Um, and they, they they must have like an unbelievable spirit and resilience to keep going like that and then turn something out at the last minute. Do you think they showed Mansfield a bit too much respect given the re- respective seedings of them? And Mansfield have kind of backed themselves out of the automatic yeah. spots, haven't they? And haven't actually been playing well recently. No, I, and I, I wonder if they should have gone at them a bit more I think maybe they. I felt like maybe they were worried about losing the home advantage mm-hmm. um, and then ironically that did kind of backfire in the first 10-12 minutes mm-hmm. whatever it was I think Mansfield are a good team in terms of how they are capable of playing but they're not always capable of playing that and they, they were in you know a bad run of form I think they could have got automatic promotion on the last day of the season against MK Dons but messed that up Um so they look a threat on the break and the, the the guy who scored the goal, Hamilton, I think his name was, like obviously a lot of pace and lovely finish. So they, I think they want to play mm-hmm. on the break. And I think the, that was the only logic I can think of for the way that Newport played was that we're going to sit back, hold a deeper line and get the ball forward quickly so at least we can't get caught on the break, which was ironic because they got caught on the break. But that's the only kind of logical decision I can see mm-hmm. as to why they played the way they did. Because okay. I'm a bit worried about their away form going on the return fixture. They're so much, Newport is so much better at home they are. than they are away. Have you got a stat um, for me? Well, they've only won six times away versus 14 at home. Really? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, I love it when you do that. So on that basis, you've got to favour Mansfield in, in the return leg. What is their home record like? Mansfield's? Yeah. Well, you don't really want to know that because their home record's actually pretty good. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to avoid that stat. <laughs> um, yes, they've, I've, I've, we've just looked and they have won. They, they've only lost two games at home since uh, the end of January. Mm-hmm. Although one of them was their last home game against Stevenage. So there's a bit of hope there. Yeah, I mean, I think their momentum wasn't good. But unfortunately, I think the draw down in Newport might have kind of put the brakes on that. For yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, I think I think Newport have got every chance and I think that they've got a lot of resilience. They've got two excellent strikers who've scored a solid amount of goals between them in that division this year. And I really do think their kind of momentum and tenacity and form will see them across the line despite the the fairly damning statistics we've both just <laughs> fired out uh, in either direction. And I think also they then have a great chance in a one-off game. I totally agree. I, I genuinely think, irrelevant of who the opposition is, if they got to that playoff game mm-hmm. in uh, Wembley, I really think they'd win it. Um, like I say, I think they will have to change their tactics a little bit because of what happened in the last game and how deep they were and Ben Turner, who used to play for Cardiff, was kind of mopping everything up in the air, wasn't he? So I do think they'll have to alter their game plan a bit. But do you know what? Flinney isn't stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, There's a reason he's managed to get that team from the bottom of the league to playoffs in two or two, three years, whatever it is. Um, so as a consequence, I'm confident that 
they will do what they need to do to kind of make the tactical changes. We are doing a little addition to uh, our podcast. Uh, we're recording this first thing Monday morning um, after Newport have played Mansfield. Obviously, we felt like after our preview and everything, we couldn't actually not talk about the game before putting something else out because it was absolutely incredible game football. Yeah, it was ironic on Saturday. We were saying that, that theirs is the sort of fourth game in the series last week was somewhat anticlimactic yeah. and they definitely made up for it yesterday. Oh my God. What a great game. What a great game. And you'd never guess that that game, if you looked at the stats of that game, you'd never guess it was going to be a nil-nil. No, no. Because um, it was unbelievable. So many chances in the first half. I thought Newcastle, um, Newcastle, Newport were just so dominant and completely controlled the game. Don't disagree. Although overall, I think either of them could have made a case for oh, yeah. having to, to win the game. Yeah. Both teams could make the case. I think Sheehan's chance in the first half was the one where I actually thought it had gone in mm-hmm. because the way it kind of flashed across and then he drove it in and I think it hit the stanchion didn't it so yeah. it looked like the back of the net moved so I was just like yeah and then obviously he stood there with his head in his hands and I was like what happened what? there I, I, I was just like he was offside yeah no it, it crashed against the stanchion yeah, back, yeah. so it looked and I was just like oh god and then they went through a spell then toward the end of the half where they had chance after chance after a mon little header and um, good chance. I mean, good football chances yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, not messy ones. Um, I thought they improved the way they played in the style of play compared to the first game, especially first half. But then second half, Mansfield made a change, and Newport couldn't quite keep mm. that kind of foothold in the game. And Mansfield really came into it. Didn't yeah, they? the last twenty minutes of the game, you thought oh, they're going to sneak one here. Yeah. They're going to sneak it. Hang on. Exactly. And that, they missed a couple of chances. Walker, who was their top scorer, missed, I think, three really, really good chances in the end. There were 44 shots in the game. I know. It wild. Wild, yeah. And you consider what little was happening on Thursday, yeah. comparatively. The total opposite yeah. uh, yesterday. And chances in the extra time as well. Like They kept playing yeah. in the extra time, um, which I think is testament to the just to the two teams and the effort yeah. that they made. Oh, the, yeah. like the effort for both of them yeah. was just unreal. But you, and you could see by the end, the last five or ten minutes of the second half of extra time, it was so open. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely. It was almost like kids' football, like <laughs> one person holding in midfield because people were just exhausted. Yeah. And even when one team broke, they were so tired that when they broke, it was like they were breaking at slow in <laughs> slow motion almost. Like it was unbelievable effort from everyone. Um. I wanted to mention the goalkeeper for mm-hmm. Mansfield because he made a couple of unbelievable saves during normal time. Um, and I really enjoyed the fact that he tried to goad Armand yeah. in the, during the penalty shootout, like reminding him what had happened in the week. And of course, Podge puts it right <laughs> in the corner and gives him the shush, which I very much enjoyed. And I saw something on Twitter um, and he basically posted, well, thank f- that went in. <laughs> Just like, yep, you, yep, well, I think we all agreed that one. Um, and then, of course, Regan Poole with a, a, great a brilliant penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and credit to Joe Day as well. Yeah. No, I mean, to save from Walker, like you say, their best... Uh, their top goal scorer, top, yeah. Top goal scorer there. Um, interesting coin tossed. I, I think we might Newport might have won both, both of the tosses, given where the penalties were taken and the oh, fact yeah. that they opted to go first. first. So I, I don't know, but reading kind of between the lines, watching that. Watching oh, no, I hadn't thought of that. I assumed yeah. they'd won the one because it was in front of their fans. Mm. Um, a quick word for the Newport fans as well, because 
the noise, like it sounded like a great atmosphere. It was there apparently it was the Mansfield's highest attendance of the year, like just over seven thousand. Um, but there were moments, obviously, where you could hear the Mansfield. But the new the Newport fans just did not stop for the whole game, the whole of extra time. Yeah. Um, I thought it's just an amazing achievement. I think. Yeah, and a lot of um, talk on Twitter after the game, actually, the Mansfield fans thanking the Newport fans for just oh, really? helping make the atmosphere and making it a great day yeah, and wishing was, them well yeah. and things. Um, so, good day all round. Exactly. Uh, one last thing, uh, Mike Flynn, I, I thought it was amazing after the game, the first thing he did was get up, go, sorry, and try and like, pull up the Mansfield mm. players who were like, slumped to the ground and he went round and shook hands and said well done to all of their players before he went to his own players, which I thought was good. Yeah, just before we close on this, I wanted to mention, obviously there was a fan who was taken quite seriously ill by the sound of it, and both medical teams from both both Mansfield and Newport were, were helping. So haven't heard anything more this morning, but hopefully he's uh, recovering. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we thought we'd just round off uh, the Newport chat with a little bit of uh, conversation about the game yesterday, and, uh, yeah, on we go. Quick word to, of Wrexham. I appreciate we're a, a day late and a dollar short on this one. Ruth has already got her head in her hands. <laughs> um, but obviously, after the, they kind of got into the playoffs, yeah. they played Eastley and were beaten at home by Eastley in the playoffs. Um, obviously, the playoffs have concluded today with Salford beating, filed 3 0. So they go into the Football League, mm-hmm. boo and hiss. Um, <laughs> but just to focus on Wrexham briefly. Before we talk about the Eastley game, and I know this is kind of scant consolation, but when you consider what has happened to Wrexham this year, for them to have got to the playoffs, I really think is an amazing achievement. It is, but it's scant consolation because they should yeah. not have lost that game against Eastley. Yeah. The chances they had, the woodwork they hit, the balls cleared off the line, and a very dodgy refereeing decision. I, I, I just don't even—it wasn't even a dodgy. It was just—it was just <laughs> wrong, wasn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, I mean, just to take a step back, I, I do think, obviously, you're more invested in it than I am. But to have—I can't think of another example of a team that have got had three managers in the year and basically <laughs> haven't got relegated. Yeah, no, I—I I agree. I mean, it, like you say, it's testament to just their stickability. Yeah. Um, particularly their home form. Um, if you'd have just taken their home games, they'd have topped the league. Really? Yeah. Again, great so start. So they've got to do something about scoring some goals yeah. and they've got to do something about their away form. And yeah. the, the problem is you're basically going to be starting from square one again this summer. The nature of that league is it's it's a revolving door of players. And I think that's the pity Um you you just get such little stability. Yeah. And unfortunately, they've suffered from lack of stability from managers, and now they're going to go into the cycle of lack yeah. of stability from players. I think you're right. I think the big one they've got to address is, is scoring goals. I think they've... Uh, on the Edge Foff podcast, um, they said that they have scored fewer goals than Haverton Waterlooville, who yeah. got relegated. Um, which is an amazing stat. So, uh, you know, that's obviously something that needs to be addressed. Um, and I think until they do that, I think they're, you know, 
you're not going to get relegated, uh, not going to get promoted scoring that many goals mm-hmm. or that few goals in a season. Um, I think it's interesting the, the job that Brian Hughes has done since he's come in because a lot of people backed him to fail. Mm-hmm. And he's actually come in and steadied the ship fairly yeah. well, hasn't he? And kind of ticked them over quite well. And when you look at what happened in the, the playoff game, they were dreadfully unlucky not to progress. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was anything else they could have done in the sense of what he was, the coaching he was giving him, the instructions yeah. and the style of play and all that sort of thing. Um, they were very unlucky. But it does kind of, I think, stem from that lack of a, a sniper and a someone who can get in there and, you know, rough it up a bit and yeah. just put the ball in the back of the yeah. So to, to to look at the Eastleigh game, like you say, they basically dominated the game. Um, hit the post, the crossbar, hit everything. Well, they hit the back of the net. <laughs> um, having watched that again, I assume you've seen it as well. I would even put that as like a almost a bizarre decision. I think sometimes you can see why a referee has got something wrong and he only gets one look at it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can think, well, he's got that wrong, but I, I, I can see why. Yeah. With this, having watched it from every feasible angle, I still can't see how the ref has come to the conclusion that he's come to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the frustration. As you say, normally you can at least appreciate the time frame they've got to make the decision the angle they've got to make the decision you know there as you say generally speaking there is at least a an explanation even if it's not the right one there's an explanation for why a referee might have made the decision that he has made but i agree with you this just there's there's nothing about that that makes sense no i mean he's the keeper's gone up mm-hmm. he's dropped it and on the way down He's fallen over onto someone, basically. And that's the only thing I can think, is that he's caught someone on the way down. But of course, it doesn't matter by that no. point. It's not a foul if you land on someone after you've balls yeah. it up. Um, and obviously, that's that's cost Wrexham a place, mm-hmm. potentially, in the Football League. I mean, I, I know it would have been a big ask to go and go and play uh, either filed or um, Solihull, depending on yeah. whatever. But... Still, it's I don't know. To me, it's a big, big shame mm-hmm. and a big opportunity miss. And I just really hope that next year Wrexham can kind of sort themselves out. And I know it's not their fault, but have a manager for for a full year, um, get someone in who is going to score the goals, and hopefully avoid, like you say, the revolving door mm-hmm. policy, um, which appears to be commonplace in that league. Yeah, I don't think it's a policy. I think it's just a circumstance of the yeah. league, isn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, so yeah, hopefully there'll be some progress. Um, we have had a few messages in asking us to talk about Mirtha. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a, f- a few mentions of Mirtha through the season, but we said we wanted to do like a bit of a season review for mm-hmm. them. So uh, we've been in touch with uh, Mirtha on the Terraces, which is like a blog uh, and a fanzine um for Mirtha fans, which is at MTFC on Terraces uh, on Twitter, if you want to give them a follow. Um, we've had a great kind of season review um, from Mirtha on the Terraces, and I'm just going to kind of go through that and give a little give a little shout out to Mirtha because we don't talk about them as much as we should. Um, given, obviously, the financial problems that happened uh, recently, um, many fans were just happy to see the, the team playing well and have a, having a team on the field full stop really mm-hmm. um the squad was added to with some pre-season signings including joe perry um, who had formerly played for mirtha 
and uh, player called McDowell from Tafswell, who was a defender, plus Connor Young, who was the son of Cardiff City defender Scott Young, right. which I thought was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mixed pre-season, saw them lose a few games, including uh, to a Welsh league pen of Darren. Um, as the season kind of progressed, Merthyr were riding high and were in the top six for last part of the year, with a supporters hoping for a promotion push. Unfortunately, there were a lot of injuries as the season progressed with nine players, nine first-team players really? out of injury at one point, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there's so many games in in that division. Mm. Um, kind of results dropped off as a consequence and it got to a point where there was a genuine worry of relegation. Um, defeat against Gosport Borough uh, would have meant a nervous end of the season, but thankfully that didn't happen. Uh, and as a consequence, kind of pulled away from relegation. On the last day of the season... Walton Casuals came to Merthyr and needed to win to stay safe, and they did, um, with both sets of fans joining in in, in congratulating Walton Casuals. Um, reflecting back on the season, uh, it was basically just some uh, inconsistencies which made it a season to forget, really. Um, a lot of good away days, um, and the manager kind of making the best of the situation, having to play players out of position due to injuries and uh, suspensions. Um, there's a real belief uh, apparently amongst the Merthyr fans that if they can uh, add a couple of players and retain the players like we like we talked mm-hmm. about with Rex and they're retaining the players is as much of the problem as anything else they've got a half chance of promotion next year so there you go that is a um, so mid-table with all those disruptions that's not so bad yeah, really is it exactly when you think yeah. nine first team players out in one that's go is crazy. crazy yeah so no wonder that the manager had to rotate and play players out of position and whatever else um, yeah, so there's a few new uh, trips added into the uh, to the calendar for for Merthyr fans next year, including trips to Western Supermare and Truro in Cornwall. So I'm sure that'll be a cracking <laughs> couple of away days lined up there. I'm sure there'll be people trying to get on the I little boat. I just hope those aren't like across. a Wednesday evening oh or something. God, Can yeah, you imagine? That'd be a nightmare. That'd be a nightmare. Um, so yeah, we're going to keep in touch uh, with Merthyr on the Terraces through next season and get some more regular updates from them. So if you want to keep a, keep an eye out, as I say, please go to at MTFC on Terraces uh, on Twitter to have a look out for them. Okay, so to move things on, I think it would be daft of us not to talk about, I know it's not Welsh related, but talk about the Champions League uh, games this week. They were absolutely ridiculous. Just like everything you love about football yeah. in three nights um, maybe Mansfield and, and, and Newport didn't make it a fourth yeah, I was expecting that <laughs> but I mean even even the Leicester Man City game was a great game yeah it really was a great game and then of course the, the two in the middle were just absolutely it was stunning wild. it was wild now in fact I'm not sure that I would call the Liverpool Barca game wild that felt like Liverpool knew what they needed to do and just kept at it. Whereas in the Spurs game, it was like, I mean, I've seen your middle school boys with more formation than we saw in the well, second half well of that. Well, they're very well coached, can I tell you. <laughs> in the second <laughs> half of that game. I mean, that was just ludicrous by the end of that game. Yeah. I mean, to, to, like the Man City game, like Vincent Company has scored like just the most ridiculous goal. Yeah. And obviously we don't get the British commentary, but apparently the first thing that Gary Neville said after the ball hit the back of your net was, Vincent, where do you want your statue? <laughs> uh, which is fair. Have you seen the clip of the goal going in? It's kind of like someone zoomed in on it. No. And literally, as the ball hits the back of the net, it's from behind, like so looking at the goal. Mm-hmm. As the ball hits the back of the net, sorry, as he takes his shot, 
whoever, like some bloke in the crowd has stood up and thought, well, this is never going to go in, so this is my chance to go and have a wee, and has stood up, and in slow-mo, you can see him walking away up the stands right at the top of the screen, and the ball <laughs> hits the back of the net. You could see him scurry back round and come back Excellent. in again. Must have been gutted to have missed that. Um, but anyway, yeah, what, what an unbelievable goal to... You know, in all intents and purposes, probably win the Premier League. We're recording this on Saturday, mm-hmm. so the final games are tomorrow. Um, you know, you can't see Brighton no, causing an upset no. there, can you? No, I can't see it going. In fact, Again, if there's going to be any upsets, I'd be, be more. The other yeah, game. exactly. Yeah. More Liverpool like with a hangover. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and then on to the Tuesday, like you say, that Liverpool game, the atmosphere was just unreal. Um, and I have a real thing for listening. This is the saddest thing I've ever said. Um, li- I love like I listening don't to the it's noise. The saddest thing you've ever said somehow. Okay, probably on this podcast <laughs> is the saddest thing I've ever said. I really have a thing about listening to the noise when the ball hits the back of them. I love that. Like that. I don't know. Um, but the noise when the third goal went in mm-hmm. was like a like a proper guttural roar. Like it was like a noise that I don't think I've heard at a football ground before. It was just different. Um. And of course, when the fourth goal goes in, it's just outrageous. Yeah, and what a goal! I know, unbelievably well worked. I out. love the audacity of that. exactly. Yeah. Um, apparently, they had briefed the ball boys beforehand um, about being the fact quick. That they're sluggish. Yeah, yeah. Um, which again, I love stuff like that. I think that's brilliant. Um, I think the thing that makes that game more wild to me than the Spurs game is that not only. Did they beat Barcelona 4-0, which just in isolation is amazing. They also came back because they were obviously net 3-0 down. But as much as anything else, they did it against a team containing some of the best players of their generation and possibly the greatest player of all time. It's not they were playing Newcastle beat us 4-0. Do you know what I mean? They beat Messi's Barcelona 4-0. But there is something Yeah, but there's something about... Messi's Barcelona that's not working, isn't there? I mean, I don't know. They, I mean, it, but there's a pattern now. Yeah, I, I, they now. do. I suppose the last two years they've kind of I lacked a backbone in in the big games. Is maybe a bit harsh, but you consider what happened last season against Roma. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah, and then this season, it's yeah. It's I think nuts. There's, some, there's some questions there, isn't there? Now, I, I, for me, the the wilder game was the Spurs game, just because. They were behind in the game. Yeah. Um, the You feel like the likelihood of them pulling that back is so much less than the likelihood yeah. of, of Liverpool pulling it back. Because um, basically, Ajax were at home. You know, it was, uh, that to me was a crazier game. Yeah. And the fact they literally went to all but the last touch literally of the game. Literally the as last well. second. Yeah. Um, I have a kid in, we have a kid in school. <laughs> We haven't got sirens to say. We've yeah. got dog barking. Sarah is very excited about the game, obviously. Um, we have a kid in our school who is Dutch and is a big Ajax fan and snuck out of his last lesson of the day to pretend that he had to do work on his laptop in a different room. And I walked into an empty room to see him sat there. I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, I've got, I've got work to do. I've got work to do. I was just like, mate, come on, play the game. I'm not stupid. So I brought him into my room and let him watch the first mm-hmm. half in my room. And uh, he was obviously jumping around the place and absolutely loving life. And I went home, watched the second half, and I could not feel anything but absolutely gutted for him. Yeah. Because... 
I mean, it was literally it was everything the last for second. him, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, that it's like yeah, I think you were saying to some of the lads at school because we've got kids from all over the world yeah. who support some of the biggest teams, but that was their moment. That yeah. was Lucas's moment, yeah. wasn't it? And it evaporated yeah. for him. Um, it was interesting how many of the other boys had been in touch with him. Yeah. Like you and I were warning them to behave, but yeah, actually nice. they'd already reached out yeah. to him and been been supportive and yeah. nice to him, hadn't exactly. they? But uh, I was speaking to his little sister who always goes to our, also goes to our school. And she said that when the goal went in, he normally takes these things badly, but he literally just stood up, walked out of the house, slammed the front door and just disappeared for 10 minutes. No one knew where he was. He was just having a tantrum somewhere uh, and then came back in. Everyone's upset. You know, it's a bizarre thing how... Because obviously for Spurs fans, mm-hmm. they are absolutely top of the world in that moment. And it's an unrepeatable thing. But equally, if you could see all the players on the floor literally yeah. finished. Yeah. <sighs> it was a wild game. And then to add to, to that, obviously you've got the fact that Arsenal and Chelsea will yep. play each other in the Europa League final. Apparently, it's the first time that four teams from one federation have yeah. got through uh, to the finals, which I think is unbelievable. Well, it's testament to the Premiership at the minute, yeah. isn't it? People always take the take the piss out of it being the self titled best league in the world, but you'd have a you'd have a strong case arguing, yeah. and that is without the team who are Actually, top of the league, probably top, of, yeah, yeah, which is nuts. Um, one thing I did want to mention, along with it was the ticket situation and the costs of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the Welsh connection to the final in a minute, but Liverpool and Spurs will share 33,000 tickets in a stadium that holds 68,000 people. And for the sake of clarity, that's not 33,000 each. Mm-hmm. That's between them. But that's been about the norm lately, isn't it? I feel like that Did, is less than normal, though. I don't think it is. I think it's just getting more attention because they're two British, British teams. teams. In the it's Euro- wrong. It's, yeah. it's, it's a ludicrous proportion. But I think it's. I think the proportion has been what it's been for the last few years. The Europa League final, Arsenal Chelsea will share twelve thousand tickets. A tiny stadium of sixty-eight thousand. Now. 12, that's 6,000 each. There'll be 6,000 Arsenal fans, 6,000 Chelsea fans, 68,000 mm-hmm. people. And I don't know if you've read the reason why. No, they saying? Um, they said that Baku Airport can't deal with more than 15,000 people over one weekend. Well, so, why so was re- it chosen as a host then? That is a very good question. I and can't what's going to happen in the, in the Euros? <laughs> It's, it's, it's an absolutely unbelievable circumstance, that. And it just goes to show that basically UEFA and whoever else just don't care. Mm-hmm. Because I saw a BBC Sport article, I think it was, people are selling tickets that they've obviously got through the UEFA family for £5,500. That's disgusting. <laughs> they're giving tickets to people who are then selling them on. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, there's a few assumptions there that they're, you know... That that's where they're coming from, but the the other tickets haven't gone on sale yet, so they can't come from there. So it must be some people who have been given tickets by UEFA, and five and a half thousand people, uh, five and a half thousand pounds. Sorry, and to add to that, I did a bit of digging just because I'm constantly appalled by how football fans are treated when it comes to money. Um, the cheapest flight I could find 
from London to Madrid, which is where the Champions mm-hmm. League final for one week after the Champions League was £133. Okay. Which is lovely. You know, weekend (laughs) away with with the missus. Lovely, happy days. (laughs) How much do you reckon it was for seven days earlier, the weekend of the final? I don't know. Multiply it by 10? Pretty much, yeah. £1,088. Now, I'm sorry, but... You can't tell me that UEFA can't do something about that. You can, they can sell packages to fans where you get a ticket and a seat on a flight and it doesn't break the bank. Um, people are talking about $1,000 a night, €1,000 a night, sorry, for hotels in, in, in these cities. And it's not just because they've only got one room left. No. They've just, ch- they've just dumped the prices yeah. up. Yeah. I think it's yeah. absolutely outrageous. And like football fans are treated so badly that... UEFA, FIFA, whoever, like really need to look into doing something about that. Because it can't go on. Because it'll end up, you'll end up with these flat, dull atmospheres. Yeah. You know, I mean, less than a quarter of the crowd in that... Less than a quarter of the crowd, that is Ruth's dog. Um, less than a quarter of the crowd are going to be actual real-life fans. Yeah. And for a lot of them, like, let's take Spurs, for example. Like, it's- this is probably once-in-a-lifetime sort of scenario for them, isn't mm-hmm. it? I just think it's disgusting. It is. It is. Um, and I feel like, you know, UEFA really can do so much more to help. And I really think they should. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why there isn't supplemental charter flights, for example, or something like that. To, to make the cost reasonable. Yeah. yeah. You know, everyone's got to make money. I, I, I get that. But, I mean, that's just mm-hmm. scandalous. Yeah. Um. To continue with my rant okay. about European football, <laughs> I read an article in the New York Times this week mm-hmm. whereby they, uh, UEFA, sorry, have committed basically to a European Super League right. starting in five or so years. 32 teams, some of those teams are kind of basically guaranteed their mm-hmm. place in it each year. Um, only four places of those 32 are open to new teams each year. Right. So basically, all of your Madrid's, Barcelona's, Man United's, whoever else, are going to be yeah. in there all the time. Um, if you want to read the article, it's, it's, it's in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting. But I feel like we're getting to a, like a genuine kind of crucial time with club football, where the 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 landscape of club football is really going to yeah. change forever. Yeah, I mean, you've effectively got two different clubs haven't you you've got the clubs that are in in england are the top six that are operating in a different stratosphere yeah. from everybody else and then you've got everybody else yeah and the the problem is breaking into that group you've you've got to find a sugar daddy the way man city have found a sugar daddy <laughs> or you haven't got a hope yeah you've got no chance and it sounds like with that new format, even if you created that scenario, you'd, you'd then be on a hiding to nothing because you you, you've got to get through your home league. You've got to get through presumably some sort of playoff system to get to those four, four places. places. What's going to happen to the teams that go in the other direction? You know, what happens when, I don't know, Spurs, for argument's sake, don't make it? How's that going to be structured? How's that going to be, you know, what sort of parachute payments are they getting at that yeah. point? Um, 
it's it's just become a a, a money situation, um, and part of me is kind of thinks just almost. I don't think we, as in fans, can so, can solve this because the money is talking. I'd almost rather UEFA just perm off three or four teams per league, do what the hell they want to cross Europe, let the rest of us just get on with it. Yeah. Stop moving fixtures because it suits people for television. Stop, you know, just go and mess with your little toys with your and leave the rest yeah. of us alone. No, I totally agree. I couldn't agree yeah. more. I would much rather a league where Newcastle didn't play Man City, Man United and whatever a year. Um, and we've got a chance of some sort of yeah <clears throat> some sort of success and not that it's driven by success but where we've got a chance yeah and it's it's I, like you say let them go I, I would absolutely love to play in a league where we don't get beaten 4-0 or 6-0 mm-hmm. by man city like we do most years and i'm, sh- I'm and i bet you as a lot of teams are different i i would it would be a shame for your spurs is perhaps mm-hmm. who wouldn't get kind of get in there automatically given how good they are at the minute or arsenal even and I'm sure the cycle will repeat itself is that you just get a new batch of five or six who would get money pumped into them and so it goes. But I think at least in the short term, the I would, I, I'm more than happy for them to, to kind of get on with it and yeah. play with yourselves. Not play with yourselves. <laughs> play amongst yourselves. Sorry, well, I'll edit that out. Um, so to continue briefly with the European theme, um, we are guaranteed a Welsh winner in some way, shape or form of the Champions League and the Europa League this year. Which I think is really cool. A, a sort of a technicality on it, the it is a little Ampadu bit, and Woodburn It front. is a little technicality. I mean, I think obviously Woodburn was involved on Wednesday, but I yeah. wonder if that's more a reflection of the injuries than it was of a, a real intent for him to be on the, nah, on the bench. Uh, he was, he was going to play, I heard. <laughs> No, I mean, I think it's um, just generally looking at the players we have scattered across some of the top teams. You know, you think of Ramsey moving, um, James moving, which we'll come to, I'm sure. But you've got a a scenario where we're working, we've we've got lads working at some of the best teams in Europe and that can only be good for us. No, I totally agree. And just to play our favourite game, Who's going to win the Champions League? Who's going to win the Europa League? I've, 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 ooh. Ooh, ooh. You proper stuttered. Yeah, there. proper stuttered. Yeah, I would love to see Liverpool win it. But there's something about the momentum that Spurs have got. You know when the teams, it's that cliche about their names on it. There's something about the way that they've got through these, well, got out of the group stage and then through yeah. these qualifying rounds that you think there's just a, a something happening yeah. there. Um, but I think I'd like to see Liverpool win it. And the Europa League? Can Ramsey play? Then well, my decision's easy then. I, I, if, he's, I, I, if he's fit, the decision's easy. I'm not actually sure on it. I don't think he can. I don't think he can. I don't think he'll be ready, will he? No. If he can play in anything, his only chance is really in our qualifiers, not, yeah. which I'm absolutely fine with. Um, I think I'd go with Chelsea in that game then, as a one-off. I think I agree with you on the Chelsea front, mm-hmm. but I think Liverpool will beat Spurs. I think Liverpool beat Spurs quite comfortably, if I'm you honest. You think so? Yeah, I think maybe even two or three nil job. Like um, I say, I'd like to see Liverpool win, but there's something about 
what's happening with Spurs at the moment. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, sticking with a the European theme, mm-hmm. um, we want to mention Jess Fishlock. Yep. She is doing ridiculously well. <laughs> I know that that's not a surprise, but she's doing ridiculously. Yeah, they've just won the championship in yeah. France again, haven't they? Again. And they're off to the latest European Cup final in a, a couple of... Yeah. No, it's next week. Yeah. Next Saturday. 18th. Yes, you yeah. are right. Yeah. Do you want to know how much the tickets are for that? Go for it. £2.70. No way! <laughs> £2.70 in Budapest. Oh, I fancy that. <laughs> Isn't that, doesn't that show it all, though? Yeah, yeah. And it's ridiculous. That's isn't insane. It? Yeah. Even yeah. Saren's annoyed at that one. Um, <laughs> that's, in, that's unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of unreal, I'm seamless today. Um, <laughs> they've conceded six goals this season. I know. They've dropped four points. They haven't lost a game. They've only drawn twice. I know. If there's a team of the season, season, they've got to be there, haven't they? Absolutely unreal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Um, since she's gone there, the th- most impressive thing to me is how often she's played. Mm-hmm. I think she's played she's pretty much every game. Twelve months a year, yeah. isn't she? Because as soon as she's done there, she'll be back playing with back, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's won the league, the French Cup, playing in the Champions League final um, to turn out and walk into a team basically that's that good I think is absolutely incredible it's testament to just how good a player she is um, they won the French Cup 3-1 um, she scored since mm-hmm. she's moved there as well yep. um, in the Champions League final they're playing Barcelona who are second in their league yeah um, but have equally got a remarkable record I think they've only lost twice this year yeah I think it's fair to say that they're, they're pipping of of Bayern in the semi-final was probably a bit unexpected mm. though so I mean I, obviously Leon go in as the favourites in, in that game 100%. Um, but again as we were just talking about the Spurs-Liverpool game there's there's something about what Barcelona are doing that to be the first Spanish club to qualify for a, a Champions League final oh, I didn't realize that. To, to put out amongst the favourites in Bayern so uh, it would be an interesting game, but you can't see Leon losing it. No. Yeah. Given the strength and depth they have yeah. and the players they've got across the board there, I think you'd be, I'd be very surprised if mm-hmm. they didn't. But we'll be hopefully watching that yep. uh, and cheering Jess on. Um, sticking with the women, the women are playing New Zealand on the 4th of June in Cardiff in Leckwith, which is opposite the Cardiff City Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually really annoyed because I am going to be home two days later for a wedding. And basically, if they could move that game on two days, I'd be able to go. And I'd really appreciate that. So Have a word. if anyone's listening, Jane, if you're listening, can you swallow that up for They've us? moved the date of the Belarus game. Oh, so, they have. So perhaps... It's not off the cards. No. I'll send a few emails. I'll see what I can do. Um, what do you think about this game? It seems a bit of an odd one from a timing point of view but then given the qualifiers start in August you wouldn't want to miss something happening in June Mm. either Um, but I think the important thing is we've just got to score some goals yeah go on blind me with those stats you were talking about Um, yesterday we have not scored a goal since we played Russia which was basically a year ago, a year ago, from by the time the game happens, I think we played Russia on like the tenth of June or something like that, and 
we haven't scored a goal since. Mm-hmm. We also haven't won a game since. Yeah. Now, I know there's a few things we want to talk about there with the, you know, the teams we've played and what we're trying to achieve. But to not win a game and not score a goal in a year is a real I think real it's the worry. not scoring a goal actually worries me more than the, yeah. than the result per se. Uh, because particularly the, the games since we played England, the, the kind of the focus has been to address the fact that we're rather hit and miss on the yeah. offensive scoring. So the, the fact that we've been working at that and it's not really progressed will be interesting. Uh, I think it's a key game, really, to to find some momentum before the August qualifiers start. I think it's a funny one, this, because in the games we've played recently, we've played Portugal, Ireland, Italy, obviously we've played England as well. We've played the Czech Ireland Republic. twice. Yes, yeah. and Portugal twice. Um, and obviously we just played the Czech Republic was the last game. It, I mean, the Italy game, kind of fair enough, they're mm-hmm. above us in the rankings, they've qualified for the World Cup. Um, you'd like to think we could have got a goal against the others and, and we, we had so many chances even in that Italy game mm-hmm. we had some really good chances so it is a bit of a worry um, I also am worried about the quality of the opposition here because I'm not entirely convinced that this is the game that we're going to end up breaking the duck I then, think it has to be the game I mean I agree with you but I'm not sure it will they're 19th in the world they beat Norway in their last game mm-hmm. who are obviously the top ranked seed in our group, in our group. Yeah. Um so, I mean, they're a, they're a good sign. A Honestly, good this is a warm-up for them for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm right in saying, as this stands, is the last game before our campaign starts. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, so, I mean, looking at it, I see, I see this as a as preparation for the, the Norway game in the, in the fact that they've played them recently and beat them. Mm-hmm. And they're a, a notable number of places in the rankings ahead of us. I think they're 14 places ahead of us mm-hmm. in the rankings. Didn't lose a game in their qualifying camera. And and I appreciate they were playing Fiji and Solomon Islands for some of those games. Um, But still, you know, they're obviously a a good side. a good side. Um, So I see us kind of using this game as as preparation for Norway. I think it has to be. Yeah, and And, that's why I'm working on the the key thing is, as we said, the key thing is the the goal scoring. It's got to improve. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I think... And it makes me wonder if maybe this might be a game where we kind of go back a little bit to how we played against England, where we were playing a bit more on the break rather than mm-hmm. trying to be progressive. And maybe that might suit us a little bit more. Um, because a lot of people have, have played that way for a long, long time. Um, I saw Tash Harding scored today. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost, though, didn't they? They did lose, yeah. yeah. But to Sophie Ingalls Chelsea. But she did score today, so maybe... She will get her wish of playing further up the field. Um, and not the right back. <laughs> exactly. After the uh, Czech Republic game, mm-hmm. uh, we had a message back and forth with Tash where I joked after her comment on our interview with her and she was just like, I was absolutely furious to be playing left back. <laughs> and she said that she went and said to Jane Ludlow after the match, I would have scored them, um, which, uh, which I enjoyed. So, uh, so thanks to Tash for that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, a lot of topics here yep. today. Um, is transfer news. Ooh. I feel like we could have a jingle there for transfer <laughs> news. I'll work on that. Um, I'll give you the three options. Okay. Uh, which you want to talk about first. Bail to China, apparently. Dan James to Man United. Um, or Tom Lockyer leaving Bristol Rovers. Well, let's do it in that order. Okay. okay. 
the bail thing, I think it's a red herring. Do you think? It's one quote off Tim Sherwood. And what he actually said was, I think he's more likely to go to China than the premiership, which may not be, you know, in and of itself an untruth. Uh, he was really making the point that if Bale wants to keep the income that he has currently, that the only place that's really going to pay him that money at the moment is is China. Yeah. Um, the I don't I don't think that's Bale's priority. Personally, I think he'd rather be playing proper football than necessarily cashing in the paycheck. I just don't see him wanting to be in China. Exactly, that's my point. I as, don't see. I don't think a, the money. A, I don't think human. the money would be the yeah. driver for him. I mean, he's just he's just come second on the list behind Rory McIlroy of the top British sports earning is he? under thirty. P- I, I, I don't quite know what the criteria is, but he's second on that list. So. They're doing all right. Yeah, they're not struggling. He, he doesn't need quid, to go they? to China and cash it in. Um, I think it'd be a disaster if he went there. I, I, he wouldn't be tested. Mm-hmm. The quality of his game would go down. The training would be so it's, different it's to what it would be at Real Madrid or Unless any top Unless we can connect team. him with, with Mr. Coleman. Even then. <laughs> well, they need it. <laughs> they need they, him. I think they, they they're like him. bottom but one of the league yep. or something. Yeah, they're not doing well, are they? Um, but no, I just, I just think that's a red herring. I hope so. I, I feel like it's just someone trying to drum up interest in him and just say, like, someone's written an article saying, look, he's probably going to be leaving this year. Who's key? Yeah. Um, I spoke to a Man United supporting friend of mine who is Welsh as well, but said he wouldn't want Bale at Man United, mm-hmm. which is great for me because that would upset me deeply. But um, the main reason was, was the fact that he's got this perception that he can't play three games without getting injured and obviously his wages are going to be astronomical. Mm-hmm. I feel like... I feel like he's someone who, if he was playing regularly, wouldn't keep picking up these knocks. I think I feel like him coming off the bench and stuff doesn't suit him, which is what his role has been of late for Real Madrid. Um, and equally, like you say, he's got a load of money. He's got a, yeah. you know he's got a three old golf course in his back garden. <laughs> he doesn't need it for any more money. I, I think he would come to the to the Premier League or anywhere really for that matter where he could earn, you know, decent money. It might not be what he's on at Real Madrid, yeah. but still good money uh, and still. I mean, still really do a job for somebody who's only 29. Yeah, I, that's why I think that China, to me, just doesn't make any yeah. sense. Maybe in a couple of years I could see it, but when he's slowed down. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I hope that's not, I hope that's not true. I um, what does very much seem true, however, is Dan James to Man United. Mm-hmm. Apparently they've agreed a deal of about £15 million, pound, which I think is a bit of a bargain. Probably. I think maybe if Swansea had hung on a bit deeper into the summer when people were starting to really think about next season, they might have got a bit more. But equally, you can imagine James saying, yes, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From his um, perspective. So, you know, he, he you don't want to prevent that either. I'm hopeful that it it's just an indication of Solskjaer and the team there perhaps doing a bit of sweeping with a new broom. Yeah. And tidying up what's going on at that club because there's there's something toxic there at the minute. Something's not right, yeah. is it? And hopefully this is a sign that there's going to be a few a few going out as well as in. Yeah, yeah. I um I think it's a good move for him as long as he plays regularly. Yeah. I would hate for him to spend six months doing nothing and then go on loan to Stoke or something. Yeah. Um, I think it's only worthwhile if he's playing regularly. But if you think about it, in terms of those wide positions. They haven't really got no, anyone they, like him. They the, haven't got a pacey player, have they? No, not the way he is. No. no, no. 
so I think he's got a real chance of making an impact there mm-hmm. as long as they use him properly and, and kind of look after him. Um, lastly, on to Tom Lockyer. Mm-hmm. Brave decision yeah. for someone who's only 24. Um, last summer, there was a rumour that Nottingham Forest were interested yeah, in I saw him that. and nothing came of it. So I don't know whether he's perhaps kept that dialogue open that yeah. there's some interest there and he, he knows um i mean presumably the fact that he's let the contract lapse means he's got irons in the fire oh, he wouldn't he wouldn't yeah. just be literally walking out the door um i think cardiff or swansea could do worse oh yeah you know cardiff's his hometown after all so hopefully there's some interest for him I'm sure yeah. there is, because I can't believe he would make this decision if Yeah, there you wouldn't walk away for nothing, would you? And I think from what I've read, Forrest is still keen. Mm-hmm. Millwall are apparently have been in contact with him as well, which I would hate to see him go to. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for his from his perspective, I think it's a good move. And I agree, coming down, you know, you'd wonder how much longer Sean Morrison has mm-hmm. got uh, playing at a high level. So maybe he could be someone there they could build around him yeah. to move move forward, maybe promotion again, or Swansea, like you say, but that would, it would involve the owners of Swansea, you know, giving him a good contract. So it <laughs> doesn't no, seem then. likely. <laughs> just to go back to the Dan James thing yeah. and, the, and the cost and just Swansea in general. They, it, I thought it was quite an interesting move that he had gone at this time of the year mm-hmm. because it is literally, you know, it's the day, you know, around the day of the final day of the yeah. Premier League season. Swansea season is finished. It made me wonder, perhaps the reason that everything didn't go through in January was maybe at the last minute someone came in and just went, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Just give it six months, mate. Um, and maybe that, you know, the, the owners realised they could have got some extra money out of mm-hmm. it and, and probably have. Um, I don't know whether I'm being too cynical. I, d- I just feel like with owners like them, it's purely about finances. And you can believe... Manchester United would do that oh, as yeah. well. No question. So I I think that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think getting rid of him off the wage bill from their perspective was probably not a huge thing now, but he's probably going to go to them and just go, look, I'm playing for Wales. People are sniffing around. You need to give me a better contract today. So it saves them having to do that um, when they're, you know, at a time when they are going to be offloading people mm-hmm. off the wage bill. I've got the IUs on loan. Uh, and who's the other one? There's another one who's they're paying a lot of money for. Uh, Bast- Bastion, Bastion, Bastion. Um, he'll be coming back as well. So you know, there's a lot of dead wood to clear. So I suppose that you know frees up a bit of funds for them, puts 15 million in their back pocket, and then crack on with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I really hope that that uh, Swansea make the most of that money though, and yeah, use that money to to, to revitalise the squad a little bit. Really, um, do you think McBurney might go anywhere? I fear he will. I mean, oh, my I bloody love him to play for Newcastle. <laughs> I, I think there's a fear of a bit of asset stripping at Swansea, unfortunately, with their track record. Yeah, I can see him going and mm-hmm. maybe Fur. Yeah. Um, you could I, even see Roberts going. Yeah. I hope not, but you could. But I think Swansea are the sort of place, unfortunately, at the minute where they will consider any and all offers on players and yeah. sometimes not actually take the money that they could get yeah. if they played it a bit better. Just to snap snap yeah. someone's hand off and yeah. put it in the back pocket, which would be a big shame. Um, two more things that uh, we're going to talk about before we finish. 
which is Rambo has played his last game for Arsenal, it would seem. Um, he, they did like a presentation on the pitch, and I'm sure mm. you saw that with yeah. um, a few other people who were leaving. Danny Welbeck was one of them. I forgot he even played for Arsenal. Still. <laughs> anyway, um, he was obviously kind of very emotionally... Yeah. Uh, um, he was very emotional mm-hmm. as, he was, as he was getting his little award and stuff. I wonder if perhaps at this point Arsenal are starting to think... Oh, we really shouldn't have done this. And I honestly don't think it would have taken much, given his reaction, to have kept him there. Yeah, I mean, you look at their results with and without him this season. They're chalk and cheese. Mm. Um, so I think there's, a, you know, there's a clear evidence base. They are better off with him. Yeah. Uh, but they made a decision. They've got to stand by it. But um, I think they. They pulled the plug on those discussions far too soon. Yeah, I think so. And I agree with you. I don't think he was asking, relatively speaking, I don't think he was asking for anything near as much from Arsenal as he's got from Juve. I can't wait to get my Juve shirt with Ramsey (laughs) on the back. But not that that half and half Oh, I still like that. No. I'd have to see it in real life, I think, before I kind of committed. Mm. But, uh, I mean, who are we kidding? (laughs) I'm going to get it anyway. Sorry, Joy. Um... I read somewhere, sorry, on a podcast I listened to, that, um, that who's, there's an Arsenal fan on that podcast who said he is a modern club legend. Mm-hmm. You'd kind of be hard-pushed to disagree with that, really. Oh, you can Considering the goals he scored. The goals he scored, the FA Cups he's won for them. Um, he scored two winners, I think, yeah. or at least two goals in yeah, FA uh, Cup yeah, finals. Yeah. And so they haven't been that in relative terms, they haven't had the success over the last 10 years that they'd had over the previous yeah. 10 years. So certainly in that window, he falls into that category. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they've not really got anyone to replace him. I watched a bit of the Valencia game, mm-hmm. uh, the other night after I watched the Newport game and Ozil didn't really do much and got taken off at one, uh, you know, after a decent portion of the game and looked absolutely furious at being taken off. Um, Equally, uh, is it Brighton they played the week before? I think he looked furious that he was taken off. I can't see him staying around this summer. And so in that kind of attacking midfield department, Arsenal have really got a mm-hmm. massive hole to well, two holes to fill, really. Um, and maybe that'll be the thing that finally gets Arsenal fans to realise, yeah, oh shit, they were yeah. actually really good, those two. Yeah. Um, the last thing is we have seen in the news recently, although there's not any kind of confirmation of it, um, that there's going to be a confirm a men's squad get together in Cardiff between the 14th and the 16th of May. Still, like we said, waiting on more information on the squad and a kind of official confirmation that it's happening. It's supposed to be in Cardiff. Um, there was talk, if you remember back when we played the game in Wrexham and the training was done up at the Man U mm. uh, facility. Um, there was talk at the time of having a Young Guns get-together yeah. in May, but doing it at the uh, the new training facility that's attached to Wrexham at the Colliers yeah. Park. And it would have been like their sort of first use of that. Right. Um, so I don't know if something has morphed between, between that two. thinking and what we're starting to hear currently. Um Maybe there's enough players who are not involved in playoff games, not involved in the European Cup, the two cups, um, 
that Giggs feels it's worth having something closer to a proper squad yeah. get together or whether it is still that idea of getting the young guns together yeah. and it's just not quite being communicated yeah that makes like sense that. I don't know um, either way I think it's purposeful yeah um, he oh, I'm about to slate Giggs again he is still down <laughs> to headline that film and comic con event in Birmingham <laughs> on, on June the 1st um, oh god so if he's getting together getting them together mid-May at least he's getting them together yeah so I mean that's something I suppose <laughs> I'd forgotten about the Comic Con thing actually yeah. I'm annoyed about it all over again <laughs> um, I um, I think it's good to get the players together mm-hmm. I, I, he obviously won't have a full squad and people no. like Ampadu Woodburn Davis Ramsey obviously through injury I don't yeah. know how many games Real Madrid have got left to play yeah it depends like for example Villa came oh, back yeah. today Neil so Taylor, yeah. Neil Taylor might be involved in that depends on what happens with Derby you could have a few players busy that's true so that. maybe it will end up being more of a young guns kind of situation Tyler Roberts is injured mm-hmm. um, it'll be Swansea basically yeah <laughs> with managed by Ryan Giggs um, do we think Ramsey's going to end up playing in that game do you think in our qualifiers, yeah. I hope so because I think in the double header we're going to struggle. That's that's been our problem, hasn't it? As being consistent for two games that intense, that close, yeah, that important. Without the depth, um, we, we obviously ma- managed in the Slovakia game, but I worry that we can manage those two games. Yeah, I agree. Without I, him, I can see him being a part of the squad and, and coming along and kind of getting assessed. Mm-hmm the day off or something yeah. again and maybe playing in I can see him playing in one of those games probably the Croatia one probably maybe a bit too soon for him but but that would be the game you'd need him um, so maybe maybe he won't play in that but will play against Hungary mm-hmm. perhaps um, depending on how his hamstring is but we've just got to cross fingers for that one really haven't we and hope for the best um, so yeah let's see what happens with that one I'm reliably informed you have some any couple, other business I've got for me. A couple of AOBs. I wanted. It's not a nice thing to finish on, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, the disciplinary action that's being taken against STM Sports and Kevin Albion after the racist abuse in their FA Trophy games. Right. Um, so it was back in March. There was a semi final, and um, the STM Sports there was players on their team who said they were racially abused by the Kevin Albion fans. Um, There was also some crowd trouble, which both of them have kind of been charged with crowd naughtiness. Um, But the sign of racial abuse coming through in that level of, well, any games, but that level of games was particular. So I'm, I'm glad to see the FAW are doing something about it. We're at the stage where both teams have got a week to reply right. so the the actual details of of what happened and what they've been accused for and what they're addressing aren't very clear at the minute because everybody's like well we can't comment at the moment yeah uh, so they've got a week to come back with that but hopefully it's it's a sign of the faw making a statement yeah. that they're not going to tolerate this sort of thing and on that sort of theme Baller are obviously through to the playoff yes. for the last Europa League place and Carnarvon Town take on Cardiff Mets like any minute now yeah, actually it might, in fact right it might now. probably yeah. right now um, so good. can I give the North Walians a bit of love of course you can <laughs> okay. 
uh, I went to Cardiff University, so think Cardiff Met as a pain in the ass. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right with that. Um, yes, uh, good luck to the Kofi Army today. Um, oh, I just thought of one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, I wanted to apologise. I know. What? Well, last week I was very... Um, last time, sorry, I was very critical of Cardiff fans beating someone up. Right. Uh, a Liverpool fan. And Newcastle played Liverpool mm-hmm. recently. And lots of Liverpool fans got tickets and were um, absolute morons right. uh, during the game. And eventually there was a bit of a scuffle in different parts of the ground that kicked off, including the Platinum Club, which uh, which is kind of the posh seats, right. um, where over half of the tickets were sold to Liverpool fans, knowingly by, by the club. Um, what I wasn't aware of, and I heard a story kind of by someone who saw it firsthand mm-hmm. was of these people getting kicked out of the platinum club and on their way out breaking ranks and basically getting into parts of the ground with one example literally someone jumping from one part of the ground to the other and literally fly kicking someone in the back <sighs> of the head so i was very critical of Cardiff city fans and the way they behave but it turns out from what people have seen with their mm-hmm. own two eyes that the liverpool fans have some of them, a portion of them, have been kind of disgraceful, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another story of a of a minibus of Liverpool fans who were driving to a, a, a bar on the outskirts of Newcastle and got the bus driver to stop outside this bar and literally ran in, throwing punches and kind of literally just out of nowhere, just ran in, smashed the place up and got on the bus and left again. So whilst I was critical of Cardiff fans... Um, I feel like I should say that apologies for that because it, from what has continued on since then, it seems like the Liverpool fans and the way they've behaved in home areas of the mm-hmm. ground is nothing short of disgraceful. Um, and whilst I still don't condone anyone getting beaten up at a football match, I think, and I don't know what happened at the Cardiff game, but yeah. if these guys are capable of fly kicking people and going into a bar and smashing the place up, I wouldn't be overly surprised if that was something that happened along the lines mm-hmm. of the Cardiff City match as well and I was harsh on the Cardiff fans and perhaps that was a bit ill-advised <laughs> well I think it's just more examples of just bad behaviour in a whole host of ways isn't it and I think we're we're suffering from a yeah. from times yeah. when sadly that's it's it's just the, the number of inappropriate things that just are people happening being idiots. in and around games. It's, that's just quite alarming. The worst thing is, I was thinking about it afterwards, after our last one, mm-hmm. and I think I said something like, the guy who's gone and sat in the home end is stupid. But sometimes you're desperate to go and see a game mm-hmm. and you want to go. And that made me think, the year that Newcastle got relegated, 2008-2009, when Shearer was the manager... Uh, the last game for us was at Villa Park and I couldn't get a ticket with the away fans. So I went and sat with the home mm-hmm. fans because it was the only way I could get a ticket. And I'm not stupid, despite... <laughs> Alleged, <laughs> despite allegedly. Yeah, even Saren barked at that one. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alan. Um, and despite obvious uh, presentations. <laughs> so when the game was going on, I sat on my hands. I didn't shout. I didn't mm-hmm. say anything. And at the end of the match, I was absolutely furious. But you get up, you yeah. walk you out, behave and, you, and you swear in the car on the way home. Yeah. Um, so I know it goes on I've done it but there is such a difference between mm-hmm. sitting on your hands and knowing what position you're in and being sensitive to the situation around you to 
literally fly kicking someone in the back of the head, which is just outrageous. Um, so, as I say, apologies to Carlisle fans if uh, for any offence caused. Mm-hmm. Makes us sound much more important than we are. Um, right, I'm going to round off with a sad thing. It's 34 years since the fire at Bradford today. Yeah, I saw that today. So just. Um, it was a. It was at a period when we seemed to be lurching from one literal disaster yeah. to the next, um, and so I just wanted to commemorate that. It was a, a dark, dark day. And I think that is a very poignant place to finish on. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Mm-hmm.